Well, welcome tonight to church. I guess I didn't introduce myself. If you're new, I'm Daniel Grothy, pastor here at Friday night, and we are thrilled you're here. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the first page of the Bible, Genesis chapter one. Um, If you're new, we're just starting a series. Uh, This is week two of a series, and you'll be surprised to know that we're talking about God. Who is God? And we're gonna take two months and talk about God the Father and take two months and talk about God the Son, Jesus Christ, and take two months and talk about God the Holy Spirit and talk about different traits and attributes and the unique work of Father, the unique work of Son, the unique work of Spirit. So tonight, I'm gonna read to you the very beginning of the stories. Genesis chapter one, I'll read the first 18 verses. If you don't have your Bible, no sweat, it'll be on the screen. If you do, you can follow along. So hear the word of the Lord. And then I'll pray. Genesis chapter one, it says this. In the beginning, God. God created the heavens and the earth. And now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And sure enough, there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault uh, from the water above it, and so it was. And God called the vault sky, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. You start to get this pattern here, Genesis 1. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear, and it was so. And God called the dry ground land, and, the, and he gathered the waters, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees, and the land that bear fruit and seed in it, according to their various kinds. And we see this theme here. God says it, and it was so. And the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seeds according to their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said... Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. And God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. This is the word of the Lord, and all God's people said, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, I'm asking for holy simplicity tonight. The world is so complex. There's so many things that vex us, that scare us, that confuse us. There's so many question marks about life. And Lord, I'm asking tonight that with your word, there would come a holy simplicity. I'm asking that you would bring us back to a childlike trust. I'm asking that you would let us hear from you whatever we need to hear. There may be, I don't know, 507 people here tonight. I pray that 507 people would hear from you 
personally. God, speak to your people. Give us what we need tonight. We pray that you would strengthen us and fill us and change us and make us new, we pray. May the words of our mouths, the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Have you ever been around a great storyteller, someone that can just captivate a room? Great storytellers, you don't just hear the details like you can you can smell what it was like that day. You can feel the dew on the grass under your feet as they're telling their vivid story, right? They can captivate a room. And the Bible is a great story. We human beings are storytelling people. We keep ourselves going with stories. We make meaning of our pain with stories. We make sense of the confusion of the world by telling stories. When people ask us how we're doing, we don't tell them our blood pressure and our cholesterol count. Well, let me give you a detail of my stat sheet here. And, you know, I'm a little high here on my LPLs and LDLs and all the Ls. I don't know what that stuff means. We don't do that when people ask us how we are. What we do is we tell them stories to narrate how we're doing, to locate ourselves on planet Earth. And we tell stories. The Bible is a big story. And the story that we just read tonight, Genesis 1, 1 through 18 and and following, it's our origin story. It's, it's the story of where we came from, where, where the story got started. And this origin story tells us so much about who God is and how the story is going to go. So this very beginning story, it tells us so much about who he is and what trajectory he has set us on. So what I wanna show you tonight is that the very beginning of the book says, in the beginning, God. <laughs> we weren't here first. We are not in charge of the world. We are not powerful like we think we are. This wasn't our design. This wasn't our plans. We didn't throw this thing together. And if that's true, then it's not our job to keep it together. In the beginning, God. God had something in mind, and God has something in mind. We are not the primary caregivers. We're not the primary characters of this story. As Isaiah said, that the governing of the world would be upon his shoulders. That this is God's story, and it also means that we are not alone in the world. We are not random. We are not aimlessly hurtling toward space on some collision course with doom and chaos. In the beginning, God created. This is really good news for us, that God is the one who brought this story into being. So when you are lost in the middle of your story, like so many of us find ourselves lost, in the middle of our story, you have to go back to the beginning and stand in faith and say, in the beginning, God, and if that's true, that God is gonna be the one who brings us to a final completion one day and he's gonna be good with it. When you're, when you're scared about the end of your story and you don't, know, you don't know about the future and you do have more question marks than answers, you've got to go back to the beginning by faith and say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and God is the one who separated and made sense and God is the one who brought light into the darkness and God is the one who hovered over the chaos. This is who our God is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Maybe those might be the first... Uh, for some of the four most important words, in the beginning, God. But let's take a closer look. What do we see about God's work? It goes on to tell us 
that there's this sevenfold benediction in Genesis chapter one, that there's blessing in Genesis chapter one. And seven times they're this theme, right? The theme is, and God saw that it was good. That God is the God who is the God of, of, of glory and goodness and joy and light and blessing that God, like you read Genesis one and you just get the sense that God is happy. <laughs> like Genesis one is the writer, Moses, or the school of Moses, or whoever's jotting this down, is, is kind of looking back on that early moment and it's like they have a front row seat to God's joy. Trees. <laughs> Land and water. Oh, we've got to separate that because that could be a mess if we don't. God, like, this is great. This is a great idea. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you know, pounding knuckles, you know, chest bumping and show, like, and God saw that it was good. Like, you read Genesis 1, and this is not some God with a furrowed brow who's, who's angry at the world and who's looking to destroy us. This is God who is happy. This is God who is the God of blessing. Sevenfold benediction. Have you ever seen a sunset that took your breath away? Look at this picture. Just, <gasps> that's right on the Mediterranean Sea, just outside. It's in the land of Israel where the old Philistines used to live. This is, I mean, the Philistines had it pretty darn good. You know, you stand up against that shore and the water's lapping up against your feet and you're just, the, the sound and the sheer ma majesty of God's creation and you just, you're able to locate yourself as kind of small within God's glory. And this is good for us, right? God creates and he sees that it is good. Have you ever stood by the ocean and pondered the majesty? Have you ever had a good meal? I wanna show you this picture. Some of you are just gonna get quickened right now. Just, hey, yes, Lord. Some of you are like, I feel triggered right now. I need an acai bowl, you know? I pray for people like you, you know? Like, glory to God in the highest. When I look at that mess, I just, I'm happy. And God saw that it was good. Some of you, I, I put up another picture to make some of you other ones happy. Oh, praise God, charcuterie. That's more my vibe. That's my vibe. I'm just feeling safe and like I'll be 97 and miserable <laughs> eating stuff like that. But some of you look at that and you go, and he saw that it was good, man. Yes, praise God. We live on a planet where that happens, you know? Glory to God. I mean. Have you ever witnessed the soft breathing of a swaddled newborn sleeping in a crib? I mean, have you ever seen a baby smile while they're sleeping? It's just ridiculous how, like, God is so gratuitously good to us. When you look at these moments and you go, good Lord, and he saw that it was good. Like, we've got to reclaim the goodness of God's original design. We live in a world of wars and rumors of wars, and we got, we got to know who we hate so that we can know how good we are and separate and tribalism and all this stuff, and we just miss out on sleeping babies who are smiling, and we forget the goodness of God's gift to us. You read Genesis 1, and God is happy and God intends his creation to be happy. At the, at the end of that chapter, he makes Adam and Eve and, and, he, and he makes them in his image. Male and female, he created them. And, he's just, and it says, and he saw that it was very good. Tov meod, it's the first time that happens in, in the Hebrew. It's not just good like humans. And he goes, whoa, that's very good. 
we read Genesis and we need to realize that our story begins in blessing. And this is why the psalmist is constantly erupting in praise, saying, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Friends, don't, don't go to sleep on creation. Don't miss out on the wonder and the majesty and the blessing right in front of you. The psalmist said, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Not he does good, he is good. And his love endures forever. The Book of Common Prayer, which teaches so many saints and has taught so many saints through the ages how to pray. There's a prayer in the Book of Common Prayer that says, Almighty and everlasting God, you hate nothing you have made. I think that's one to tuck away in your soul. A God, he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't mess up. He doesn't, he doesn't throw a wobble into the system just to see if he can throw us off. No, God is the good creator and he hates nothing that he has made, which means we are the ones that make this hatred thing up. We are the ones that despise people and we desecrate places. We are the ones that take things for granted. We are the ones that turn everything into a zero-sum game of ruthless competition. We are the ones that pit groups of people against each other. And the saints of old say, Almighty and everlasting God, you, ha you hate nothing that you have ever made. And it's good for us to remember where we come from. We arise from the soil of God's blessed gift of goodness. I try to live with a sense of wonder and awe. I don't always do it right, but when I'm doing it rightly, I'm laying hands on my kids and going, bless you and bless God for you. Like, who am I that I would be entrusted with this sacred trust of raising you and the gift of being your father? Praise God. God, you hate nothing you have made and you made these children and you saw that it was good. When we're living rightly, we walk around and we tell people what we think about them. I think one of the greatest disservices of, of the human existence is we say all of the great things about people at their funerals. Like, why don't we say it while they can hear us? Like, why don't we hug people and make eye contact and go, you are just incredible. God made you in his image and I see the way you do this and no one can do that like you and you're such a gift and you're such a blessing and you're so beautiful and you're so stellar and God did a good thing when he created you. Let's, let's, let's use those words while people can receive the gift of it because God hates nothing he has made and God saw that it was good. Being a witness to the wonder of creation. Look, I, my kids, when, when I die someday, you'll, you'll, you'll talk to my kids and they'll say, what did your dad, what are some of the phrases he would say? And I promise you 100%, all three of my kids are going to say, one of the things my, all, my dad always said was, look where we live. We live where people pay to vacation. Like, I'm from Oklahoma. I love Oklahoma, dad. I love Oklahoma. Don't get mad at me. Oklahoma, God saw that it was good. But this is Tove Mayo. This is really good. <laughs> Colorado out here. And, and like, look, do you, do, I've told Lisa, we've been here almost 17 years. I, I told her multiple times, if I ever drive through our city and look at Pikes Peak and I just go, meh. I need you to slap me upside the face because there's a sign that my soul is dying. The majesty and the wonder, it's never looked the same twice in 17 years of being here. And I look at that thing and I just go, God almighty, thank you. I mean, if that's like what you can do, like who are you? 
Like, what must you be like if that came from your heart? If that, if that came from your imagination, God saw that it was, can we just wake up on the creation that God has given us, friends? What does God's good work of creation do for us? I wanna put four things in front of you tonight. This Genesis story is the story of God taking chaos and, and creating beauty out of it. So what does God's work of good creation do for us? The first thing is it eliminates chaos. Genesis 1, 2. Now the earth was formless and void and darkness hovered over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was brooding over the primordial waters. It's this like minor chord, dark brooding music that you hear in creation. There's nothingness, there's a fog over it. There's, there's, and God hovers over that by his spirit and he rebukes the chaos and up out of the chaos comes goodness. He, the first thing that God's good work of creation does is it eliminates chaos. God is the God of order, which is to say the second thing his work does is it establishes order. I remember when our kids were little, the worst thing we could do was keep them out of their routines, right? The worst thing we could do is take them to Walmart at 11 p.m. Like, come on, people, get your kids in bed. You know, the next day, ah, like their world's falling apart. They're like pterodactyls, you know, and T-Rex. Ah. That's my fault because I eliminated the order and I introduced them to chaos again, it's my fault. Like God creates out of the nothingness and he establishes order. There's firm ground for you to stand on. Sky, go up there. Lights do this. Seasons do this. The thing needs to spin like this and we need it to be predictable and we need it to be in cycles and we need this thing to be, like God creates safety for us by introducing and establishing order. The third thing, his work, of creation does is it ensures flourishing. When you've got this established order and when a chaos has been rebuked, then you can finally start to build a beautiful life. God doesn't give Adam and Eve the garden until he's done this work. He doesn't turn them loose to do their work until he's done his work of establishing order. And when order is established, flourishing can ensue. The fourth thing that happens in God's creation is it evokes beauty. take your breath away kind of stuff. And we've been called to reign with God. God raises us up out of the soil and he, he breathes the breath of life into our nostrils. And what does he say to Adam and Eve? He goes, take dominion, rule over the fish. Like this is your garden. And, and I've made you in my image so that you can go be the superintendents of my good creation. I've put what's in me inside of you and now you'll know how to go do it. Of course we mess it up, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. God put us in the position to reign with him in this world. And so when our work is working rightly, when we're in sync with God, our work ought to eliminate chaos. <laughs> our work, I mean, teachers in classrooms right now, God bless you, God bless you. What, we've lived in a, a two-year cycle of craziness and, and kids can go to your classroom every day and the world's wild, but what do they have? They have you. You're eliminating chaos. You're looking them in the eyes. You're blessing them. You're instructing them. You are, you are, operating in the image of God every time you open your doors. And we bless you here tonight, teachers. Can you say amen for all the teachers in the room? As we're in sync with God, our work ought to establish order. It ought to establish order. As we're in sync with God, our work ought to ensure flourishing for other people. If, if people are not being blessed around you, you need to ask yourself, what's wrong? 
Doesn't mean all the time, you know, we're airtight and everything's working and we're always blessed and highly favored. We sing that. It doesn't mean that it's 100% like that all the time. But on, on the whole, if people could track your life over five years and then, and then go interview all the people that are right in your immediate circle of influence, they ought to be able to say thumbs up or thumbs down, my life is flourishing or my life is worse. And, and the people of God, when we're in sync with God, if they were to interview our people, they ought to be saying, you know what, on the whole, being around them is a good thing because life flourishes when they're in the room. This is what it means to carry the image of God. The fourth thing, when we're in sync with God, our lives ought to evoke beauty. A few years ago, we, we've had a few houses in Colorado Springs. We had two in Rock Rim and we had uh, two in Briargate that we lived in. And in those four houses, uh, we had two uh, two basement floods. It was just so bad. Rock rim, and I'm sorry, Stephanie. I'm sorry, Ron. What just a, you know, we the 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 hose burst in the washer overnight, and we were upstairs, and just we came down. There was water. It was just ah, the Briargate house. Uh, it was January, freezing cold, and a pipe burst in the basement, and just went bonkers. It was terrible. And I remember thinking, so this is how we die. <laughs> this is it. Our lives are over. And I'm standing up against the drywall and it sounds like Niagara Falls is behind the drywall. And I'm, it's January and I got little kids and I don't know what the heck to do. I am, I'm miserable. I can, I can officiate a funeral. I can officiate a wedding. I can baptize children. You, if you are in a hospital, you want me there with you. There are so many things I'm good at. Don't put me up against drywall with Niagara, Niagara Falls on the other side. And I'm, I'm, it's like Jack and Rose on the Titanic. I'm picturing myself letting Lisa go. I, lo I love you. Like, I, this is where it's over. I thought we were gonna be fine. I, I thought I tried to, we probably had $3,000 to our name at that moment. I thought we were gonna be okay because we'd worked hard to save three. Niagara, it's done. I love you. It's been a great run. I didn't see it going this way. Tell the kids I love them. And freaking out, you know, I get my phone out and I go, basement flood, you know, Google, and blue sky comes up. Blue sky, right? I've got friends in the room tonight. And I call blue sky, hurry, Briargate. I give them the address, please, someone help us. There's Niagara Falls and, and we're, we only have $3,000. <laughs> hurry. <laughs> They jet over in their vans and they jump out, they get the, all their gear, all the stuff, and they're doing the thing. And, and the first guy to get out of the van is a guy that I recognize from church, Ryan Isham. He's normally sitting over here every week. Ryan Isham shows up my house and he goes, we got this, we got this, Daniel Grothy. We, don't you worry, this is what we do. He comes in, he starts throwing things, moving things, pulling up carpet, pulling up the pad. He's got fans going, he's got humidifiers going. Uh, it was unbelievable. And Jason, my friend over here, his company, they, they, Blue Sky put us back together. You know? and, and insurance, after it, it actually worked out great. We had a brand new basement after it. It's like I called Franklin Diazar and he strong-armed someone. <laughs> I was like, you know, I thought our lives were ending. And at the end of this whole process, after they took care of us, we got a brand new basement out of the deal. And I thought, it's the cheapest basement I ever paid for. But as I was studying this week and I was thinking about my friends, Ryan and Jason and Matt Galler came in and helped us put the thing back together, did some great work with us. I thought to myself, this is exactly what those guys did. They eliminated chaos. 
They established order. They ensured flourishing and they evoked beauty. We had the best basement we had ever dreamed of on the backside of that terrible crisis. This is what God does. And when we are working with God, other people, their lives are their lives are falling apart and there's chaos everywhere and they think that this is where their story's gonna end and I only have so much money to my name and this, this is where it, they think they're done and the people of God step in and they go, it's okay, I've got this. I know what I'm doing. Uh, just step aside, let me be the professional. You, I know Jesus. I've got the image of God inside of me. He made me to reign with him and he's put his image in me so I rebuke chaos in Jesus' name and I'm coming to establish order and I'm gonna ensure flourishing and on the backside of this process, you will see beauty that you never imagined could happen. This is what happens in God's good world when his people are in sync with him, friends. The world needs us to be this now more than ever. And it is a shame when believers sit passively on the sideline. It's a shame when believers assume that it's someone else's job. Oh, that's their job, or that's the pastor's job. No, if you have been made in God's image, which is all of us, it's your job to be in sync with him and to have the chaos rebuked in your own life and to step in and bring order in others. Friends, we can be this for the world. But this origin story reminds us that apart from God, there is chaos and there is abysmal emptiness. Before God's work, there is chaos and there's emptiness. And after Genesis three, the fall, when Adam and Eve take the story into their own hands, they're exiled and there's chaos and there's abysmal emptiness. They walk away from God. And I just want to say to you tonight, like we think the church, oh, sin, and oh, the church is just a bunch of old, you know, angry people who are trying to tell everyone what to do, and oh, my checklist, and don't do this, and the thou shalt nots, and it's just a bunch of crotchety old people who are trying to keep a, a list of rules that make the world miserable. That's not, that's not at all what's going on here. God doesn't want us to sin. I'll skip to the next slide because scripture speaks of sin not just as mere disobedience. Sin is the undoing of creation. Sin is the descent back into chaos. It's not God going, jump through my hoops and here's my bar and it's impossible and I want you to hate every day of your life. That's how we, we superimpose that image on God and that's just not at all what's going on. He doesn't want us to walk away from him because he knows that when we walk away from him and we take the story into our own hands, it throws us back into chaos. Sin is the undoing of creation. Sin is the anti-creation. It started in chaos and emptiness and nothingness and God established us on the firm ground of a good creation and he saw that it was good but when we do the Genesis 3 thing of stealing the story back into our own hands and writing it, when we fall into sin, what we're doing is we're falling back into chaos. It just doesn't work. But I've got good news for us as we come to the close tonight. We, we know that God has given us the blessing. We know that God is happy about creation. We know that there's goodness and we know that sin is the descent back into chaos. But remember the good news tonight. God hates nothing he has made and he has committed himself to our redemption. God has committed himself to our redemption. You come in here tonight, many of you, and you'll think about the worst thing you've ever done, and you think you will never rise above the very worst thing that you've ever done. And I'm here to say to you tonight, God is committed to your redemption. God doesn't walk away from flooded basements. 
God doesn't go, oh, I hate it. That's terrible. That's, that's above my pay grade. That's what I do. God is the one who goes, oh, nothing is too difficult for me. I've seen this before. And if I can, if I can raise my son up out of the grave, everything's on the table. And this is just fine. Excuse me. I'm going to rebuke the chaos. I'm going to bring order. I'm going to ensure you're flourishing. And I'm going to evoke beauty all around you. And so if you come in tonight thinking about all the very worst things that you have done, God hates nothing that he has made, including you. And he is committed to your redemption. I'll say it this way. I'll say it this way. Our penchant for destruction pales in comparison to God's determination to redeem. And God is more gracious than we are stupid. <laughs> and God is more patient than we are rebellious. And God can outlast our madness with his mercy. And God, you can't beat God in a staring contest. He doesn't blink. You can't run him off. You may throw yourself into a reckless game of roulette, but God is the one who's willing to take the bullet for you. <laughs> you, you can't run him off. You can't run him off. You just need to hear it tonight. The enemy comes to go, you stupid fool. You've jacked your life up and it's over from here and your life will never climb above the level of the very work. No, th that is garbage tonight. And in Jesus' name, I rebuke the chaos of that lie. And Jesus is committed to your redemption. I say to you tonight, you've earned, uh, you've earned a cross and so have I. We've earned a cross, but Jesus took it for us. We've earned a first-class ticket to hell, but Jesus raced to the bottom of hell and he exhausted sin and death and hell in the grave of its power. God may have 99 sheep, but he's not content to rest until he gets the one back. God is the father always on the porch waiting for his prodigals to come home. God has a stable full of fattened calves ready to feed the younger brother and the older brother. Both of them are welcome in the father's house for the party. This is who God is. God, you can't wear him out and you can't exhaust his kindness and he's not mad at you and he's not against you. God is gracious and slow to anger and abounding in love and good to all. This is what he told Moses at the burning bush and this is what he's telling us tonight. God hates nothing that he has made and don't you forever, ever forget that he made you And in the midst of our rebellion, Jesus shows up and he says in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Life is on the table for you and me if we'll open up our hands and receive it, if we'll let go of that stupid apple if we'll let go of our stupid pen, trying to write our own stories and just go, God, uh, it didn't work, I need you. God, life and life to the full, Jesus, I receive it. And I, I, I just need to say this tonight, some of us have made decisions that have led to chaos. There's one group of people, we've all sinned and been stupid, we've all thrown it away. So there's that group, but some of us have had others make decisions that have led to our chaos. And I wanna talk to you tonight people whose lives have been thrown into the whirlwind because of someone else's stupidity. And you thought, gosh, it'd be one thing if I was the culprit, but someone else, and now I have to pay for it. I, in prayer, I was just aching over you this week. And I wanna say to you tonight, our Genesis origin story presents us with a good world, a safe home place, rich relationships, meaningful work, and a holy purpose. And because of Jesus Christ, all of that original design is still available for us. I, I just felt, I felt to tell you tonight, those of you who are paying for someone else's stupidity, 
First, I'm sorry. And I grieve with you. And it shouldn't be like this. And you're clean before God and you didn't deserve that. If you have been wounded like that, I say to you, I'm sorry. You didn't deserve that. That wasn't your fault. Hear that and receive that in your soul tonight. Please. And the second thing that I want you to hear tonight is that flourishing is still on the table for you. And God's grace and his mercy and his redemption, it it outstrips human stupidity. And God's kindness and his his graciousness and his patience and his ability to to rally for us goes way beyond someone's ability to mess you up for a season of your life. And flourishing is on the table for you. And so tonight, I, I want to pray over that. Before we go into communion, if that's you, the band's gonna come. But I want us to close our eyes and, and, and sit in, this, in the presence of the Lord right now and just maybe open up your hands a little there in front of you. Cup your hands as a, as a sign of saying, I'm, I'm in the presence of God and I'm ready to receive. For those of you who have been wounded, for those of you who have spent the last several years paying for someone else's madness. I pray tonight the comfort of the Holy Spirit. If you have strength tonight to pray, if you're praying from a place of of faith and strength, could you just begin to intercede with me for these people? Lord, we pray tonight that you would comfort them. We pray that you would rally around them and that you would provide for them. I pray for those on the brink that there would be no lack in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray tonight for those who, who, are, who have been suffering, Lord, I pray that they would sense the wind of the Spirit shifting behind them and, and leading them forward into this new season. I pray, Lord, that you would heal them and bind up their wounds. Lord, I pray that you would have mercy and care for them and that you would be their strong defender tonight, Lord. Lord, for those of us who have wounded, for those of us who have sinned and and made it more difficult for others, Lord, have mercy on us. Would you begin to ask for God's mercy? All of us need mercy. Would you begin to ask for God to to pour out his spirit on you, to heal you, and to bring you back into that goodness, to bring you back in to that flourishing life? Lord, you hear our cry tonight. We pray that you would come and do among us what only you can do. Church, would you stand with me tonight? Typically at this point, we'll receive communion. We'll receive communion in just a minute, but we sang a song earlier, Jesus did it, right? He saved me, a bunch of good words, right? Picked me up, rescued me, he did all. I want us to sing this tonight, and I want us to sing it by faith. Some of you will be able to easily sing it. Others of you are going to be singing it with, with all of your energy, with all of your faith, but let's sing this tonight from the depths of our being Believing that God is good and that his world is good and that he has good coming for all of us. Let's sing this tonight, people, by faith. testimony and I'm gonna tell it. I'm not ashamed of where I've come from. But there is power in the gospel and I felt it from the moment that I heard that good news. Oh, it was good news. 
get your communion elements ready to receive if you don't have communion elements raise your hand our communion team's gonna come right over to you this is just the right thing to do after singing that Jesus did it <laughs> we come to the table of the Lord in the darkness of Good Friday and the confusion of Holy Saturday all the madness of the world and Jesus sits across the table and he is somehow unfazed and he says I got this <laughs> I will step into the chaos so that you don't have to <laughs> I will establish order this is my body broken for you and I will ensure you're flourishing again you thought your life was done here you go this cup is the new covenant given in my blood and I will bring you back into all the beauty that my father intended from the very beginning. So Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, takes the bread. He looks at his disciples and he looks at you and me tonight. And he doesn't tell us how stupid we've been. He said, are you hungry? Let me feed you. All of us come in hungry tonight. If we were telling the truth, we could name areas where we just feel desolate and broken and we need help. We're hungry. Jesus hands you the bread tonight. He says, this is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you do this, remember me. Saints, you may receive the bread tonight. On the same night, he took the cup of wine and he looks at these folks and he knows they're going to need forgiveness. <laughs> he knows they need forgiveness at the table. He also knows they're going to need forgiveness. And Jesus takes care of it. He says, this cup is the new covenant and it's given in my blood, which means everything's on the table. Jesus didn't get precious here. He went for it. It's given in my blood, and it's given for the remission of your sins. Saints, tonight, I declare the good news of the gospel. You are forgiven. You are clean. God is not mad at you. He created you, and he hates nothing that he has made. He looks at you, and he sees that it is good. You may receive the cup tonight. Let's go into that bridge. Come on. He made me a new creation. Old things pass. Now I'm all brand new. Got up from the grave, and He brought me with Him. Jesus did. Jesus did. And He made me a new creation.
Let's sing. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts. Come on, church. From the depths of your being, great are you, Lord. Would you open your hands, church, as we go pray the benediction, the blessing of the God who is blessing, the God who loves, the God who is good. Tonight I pray that your life would have a Genesis 1 and 2 kind of restoration movement. Whatever has been chaotic, in Jesus' name, let it be rebuked. Let order be restored where you need order restored. Let flourishing come where you need flourishing to come. Oh, and may you enjoy the beauty of God's redemptive work in your life, in your relationships, in your family, in your work, in your body, in every story where there's fracturing and, and, and chaos. Lord Jesus, bring beauty, beauty from the ashes, we pray. I pray may the Lord our God bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. And be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift his bright smiling countenance upon you and all of your people. And may he grant you peace tonight. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Can we give God thanks for what he's done here tonight? Can we thank the band, the worship leaders for leading us tonight?
If you want some extended prayer, the prayer team's going to come down front. We would love to agree with you in prayer. And hear me again. I said it last week, and I'm ready to stop saying it. I'm ready for the weather to be good. Be safe. Go slow. May tread grow on your tires in Jesus' name right now. Go be safe. Get home safely. We're praying for you. Thank you for coming tonight. Go in God's grace and peace. Much love.